Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome all of you to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast, The Main Column. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing and Gas Processing and LNG Publications. Today, I'm happy to say we are joined today by Lance Medlin and Mark Fonda, the CEO and the CTO of Marian Energy Group. Now, their company is in the midst of building two new refineries in the U.S. Uh, so first off, Lance, Mark, how are y'all doing today? Doing good. Doing good, Lee. Thanks for uh, having us on. Excellent. So let's go ahead and just get started. First, of course, we want to talk about the two projects that y'all are building um, that, are in currently, uh, that are currently in development, and that, of course, would be the Greenfield Refineries in North Dakota and in West Texas. So, of course, the first question is, where do these projects stand, and then what can we expect in the coming months? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kick it off. This is Lance. Um, the uh, Davis Refinery, so we're completing feed, uh, the feed engineering packages, and that's in preparation um, for uh, completion by our investing, investment banking firms for the full project financing of uh, the Davis Refinery. So what we spent the last uh, several months and, and even longer on is, is detailing inside the fence line or the ISBL, inside the battery limits of the uh, refinery and uh, completing the engineering there, but there's also been a major focus on outside the fence line as well. So this is our, uh, these are our contracts and agreements with the uh, producers, crude suppliers, offtake, uh, offtake contracts for the refined product, um, placement of the diesel and the gasoline um, into local and, and distributed markets. So outside of the, uh, the contracts, the development, the supply of crude, the offtake, We've also spent a lot of time capturing uh, the supporting operations, which would be uh, our rocket program, which is a remote operations for engineering and technologies, as well as the operations readiness program. So we've we've made great progress. We've broken ground. We're well into the definition and design and engineering of the refinery. And now we've tackled how can we not only design it, but how can we operate the Davis refinery and what's the smartest way. And uh, you know, before we kicked off, we were talking a little bit about digital technology and how it can be used and we've done a uh, we've done a pretty good job we think in in looking outside of the downstream industry and saying okay well what has what has been what has taken place in other sides as well what's happened upstream and midstream what's happened in pharmaceuticals or automotive or city management and there's a lot of great tech great technology out there um, not only to help us operate it but to help us operate it cleanly and efficiently and, uh, and be a good neighbor to the community and also to our shareholders. In addition to Davis, we have the Walton Station Refinery uh, in the Permian, just located just outside of Kermit, uh, Texas, and Winkler County. Um, we've optioned property out there, and we've started the uh, permit analysis, and uh, we'll continue with the, uh, the front-end engineering on, on Walton as well. What you'll see in the next several months is you'll see uh, heavy equipment and yellow iron, as we call it, back out into the Davis site. You'll see equipment being moved, uh, and then you'll start seeing the uh, preparation for large modules being installed in 2021. Excellent. Okay, so let's go to the next uh, the next question here. I so there was a recent announcement that, of course, Meridian uh, sent out, uh, basically taking a leadership position in regards to environment, social, and governments, or ESG in the downstream vertical. And now that's accordance to uh, equator principles. Now, for people who, that are, may not be familiar with the term equator principles, first, can you describe what those are? And then as a follow-up, uh, when Meridian decided to adopt that business framework, and then, of course, why is that so significant? Yeah, the um, 
And I apologize for hogging the floor, but I promise you we're going to end with something very complicated and technical, and that's where I always <laughs> defer to Mark. Um, the equator principles uh, are, were drafted by the EPFIs, which is the Equator Principle Financial Industry. So it was the world, the world banking or the world banking organizations coming together and saying, "Look, we're funding a lot of projects that aren't responsible for the environment. Is there something that we can do?" To, to promote and suggest a better behavior by, our, by the, uh, the projects and, and companies that we support. Out of that came the Equator Principles. Um, and it's a number of principles that guide projects and guide companies on how to be responsible, uh, both environmentally and socially. Um, it was easy to adopt for Meridian because there really wasn't a uh, there really wasn't a step change or a gated process in us to to transform. Um, conveniently for us, it was it was uh, it was aligned very closely with our corporate governance. Um, in that Meridian already took these uh, took the approach for environmental and social responsibility. Uh, so aligning ourselves to the equator principles uh, was almost a, a very seamless and painless effort. Um, from that, became, from that, we drafted our uh, environmental and social management plan, which is now a public document. You can go onto our website. There's an ESG tab. You click on that, and three different documents are offered up for uh, consumption. It's the environmental and social management plan, our an ESG uh, charter as well as an introduction letter into our ESG program from our CEO, uh, Bill Pernis. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I guess that kind of segues to the next one is, is what are the key facets of the environmental and social management plan that you'll have in place? Well, uh, the key man, and the, the easy way to see this is, uh, and I, I encourage all uh, listeners and viewers to do this, is to just log on and download it for yourself. It's a... Uh, we thought the document would be better served uh, entered freely into the public, so you're you're welcome to download it and just uh, you know go through it. And uh, as you'll see, there is a section eight of the environmental and social management plan is what's called a grievance mechanism, which actually ties to Equator principles, uh, which is actually Equator principle number six. If you were to look at the uh, EP uh, document itself, and grievance mechanism is where you get to provide feedback to the company. Uh, we'd like if it was uh, positive and supportive, but we understand that feedback comes in many different uh, colors. Um, the the kind of the, the the overall framework of the environmental social management plan that that uh, that Meridian produced. Well, number one is part of an ESMS, which is environmental and social management system. Mm -hmm. So the environmental and social management system has uh, many parts to it. One part is an environmental and social management plan, which talks about how the company. As, uh, as a whole governs its program. We also have what's called a PESMAP, uh, and we love acronyms here. Um, being a former Marine and also being in the energy, energy, energy industry, uh, I, I just strive for the opportunity to create my own acronyms. You're in a good, uh, yeah, you're in a good industry for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, exactly. Um, so the PESMAP is the project-specific environmental and social management plan, and that deals specifically with Davis. So the ESMP, which you would download from our website, talks about how Meridian enters into business dealings as a whole, uh, whether we uh, build a pharmaceutical in China or we're building a refinery in North Dakota or West Texas, anything we do, this is our approach to dealing business with, uh, with local communities, with federal governments, mm -hmm. with states, et cetera, and also with local residents. Um, you've got the environmental aspect of it, which uh, talks about uh, you know taking care of anything from wastewater to air emissions to 
protected species to local residents. Uh, and then also the social aspect of it is basically, is the company being a good neighbor? Are we being responsible to those who are indigenous to the area? Are we being responsible to local traffic patterns? Um, one, of the, one of the analysis that we did for Davis was a, a traffic pattern study and it kind of would tie into a social conditioning where if we have construction traffic that is let's say construction trucks are going through the site or headed to site at seven in the morning at the same time school buses are trying to pick up or drop off kids for school you could see how this could create a grievance to mm -hmm. local residents that unintentionally we were you know obstructing their daily life pattern well, we want to avoid that we we launched quite a, a lengthy study the traffic analysis patterns for billings county to make sure that we don't do things like that that we uh that we route our traffic in a way that doesn't interrupt school patterns or people coming and going to work uh, we did a noise a lot noise analysis what's the construction noise what's also the noise during operation um if you live you know within a proximity to the refinery and you were to hear a constant you know cranes lifting and bulldozers dozering and breakers breaking and pumps pumping uh you can say well hey this is affecting my quality of life so we did a, a noise analysis to make sure okay well what is the impact um we were happy that it's none zero because uh, if there was then we would have we would have dealt with that and that's part of the social side of it it's not just environmentally okay what's the footprint that you're leaving but also socially what's the impact that you're leaving both uh short-term and long-term excellent that's great. And, and, and so if anyone is uh, wanting more information on that, uh, there's definitely a, a really good document, uh, like Lance said, that you can download on Meridian's site. I have it. It's a good, good lengthy 20 pages, so it's good. Um, all right, excellent. So we're going to get you involved, Mark. <laughs> so my next question, of course, is uh, as a greenfield refinery, or I guess refineries that you are building, how significant could the impact be of the Meridian refineries are developing on the industry in terms of things like efficiency and emissions, things like that. <clears throat> well, um, to uh, to get a, a greenfield refinery permitted in this day and age in, in this country, it's it's very difficult. That's why it hasn't been done in over 40 years. Uh, there's been smaller, maybe topping plants, but not a full conversion refinery. So, right from the get-go. Um, it's been our goal to um, try to try to do that in an expeditious manner and uh, try to <clears throat> start with w one facility and proliferate them out <laughs> from there, it, you know, depending on how successful we are with the first one. So Davis is our <clears throat> first conceptual design. Uh, we've started with a blank sheet of paper on a clean piece of land so that we don't have any legacy equipment that has to weigh us down. Uh, and um, on the other hand, we're, we're able to take advantage of 40 years worth of progress in the industry. And um, other, you know, refineries always do small modifications and upgrades, but never the full facility. So we're starting from scratch and we can use all the latest innovations, all the latest um, techniques and technologies. And so that's what we've done. Um, the other is that we're using 100% Bach and crude, which is light, sweet, very easy to refine. Um, and it's not multiple crude sources, it's only a single crude, so we call it a rifle shot design. So right from there we can design the units, we can customize the units to Bach and crude, and there's not a lot of waste and inefficiency. <clears throat> so process efficiency is very high, 
environmentally, we're using all the latest techniques as far as, you know, fuel gas uh, treating and sulfur recovery. And um, we're, we're actually able to fit uh, Davis into a synthetic miner source, which is the first time a full conversion crude refinery has ever done that. Uh, that's defined as less than 100 tons per year of each criteria pollutant. So, and that actually speeds up um, the permitting process because it can be all done on a state level. Uh, we have involved, uh, I know the state of North Dakota has consulted with EPA, so we're fully compliant with EPA, but all the permits are issued on a state level, so that that's part of our plan. Environmentally, um, <clears throat> we actually are, if you look at emissions per barrel, you know, we're a small refinery, but if you just divide through by barrels, we're actually, I think the numbers are one-eighth of the pollutants of the average U.S. refinery, NOx, SOx, CO, particulate matter, and so on, VOCs. We're less than half of the greenhouse gases, mm -hmm. so the fuel that we burn, CO2 and whatnot, um, less than half, and uh, we use less than half the energy per barrel of the standard refinery. So there's huge gains, um, and that, that of course helps our profitability. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're also selling our products locally. All of our products are clean fuels. It's 100% clean fuels. Uh, we have uh, you know, EPA-compliant gasoline, ultra-low sulfur diesel. Our fuel oil meets the IMO spec of 0.5% sulfur. And then we have LPG, you know, propane and butane, and so on. We also utilize um, incoming natural gas from the area to supplement our, our fuel. And uh, every, you know, scuff of gas that we use means that it does not have to be flared locally. So there's actually external benefits to having a refinery there as a consumer of natural gas. So anyway, I mentioned greenhouse gases are less than half. Uh, you know, part of the um, equator principles is is looking at your greenhouse gas emissions and controlling them and, and minimizing them. And if you're an older refinery, you want to reduce them over time. We're going to come out of the chute as being the most uh, efficient greenhouse gas refinery there is. We're calling ourselves the cleanest refinery on the planet. And, uh, you know, with all new technology, it's, it's just a natural outcome of using that new technology. Um, we also plan on being what we call the smartest refinery on the planet because we're utilizing digital technology, and I might want to save that for the next uh, the next question. Mm -hmm. uh, but back to environmental um, greenhouse gas emissions, we are 63% below the average of the U.S. refineries that we were able to get information on. So. At 49,500 barrels a day of capacity, which is Davis's nameplate capacity, we would be producing or emitting 255,000 metric tons per year. The average U.S. refinery would be emitting 685,000 for a reduction of 63%. Mm -hmm. So that greenhouse gas reduction, if we were to take Davis technology and proliferate it through the industry, if we were to replace half of the U.S. refining industry with our technology, that would be the equivalent of taking 17 million gas-powered vehicles off the road. Wow. 
It would also be the equivalent of shutting down 21 coal-fired power plants, okay. and it would be the equivalent of installing 18,000 wind turbines, the amount of greenhouse gases they save over traditional power generation. Hmm. We, uh, we had consulted the uh, EPA website for greenhouse gas equivalencies, so anybody could you know, run the numbers through their website. Uh, they were generated by the EPA. So that really ties into the um, equator principles and our ESG program. It's a really good uh, story. Um, we plan on using the same technology in all of our refineries. Uh, the next one being in West Texas. It'll be on Permian crude. Very similar, slightly higher sulfur, but we think we'll be able to achieve some of the same efficiencies and same environmental and and uh, economic results. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, I do want to go back to uh, one thing you mentioned, of course, and that's what's going to kind of be different about this facility. And you, you mentioned digital technologies. And I think y'all mentioned when we were talking earlier about digital foundations. So can you go into a little bit more about how you're utilizing some digital technologies in this, in, in, in your uh, development of these refineries? I'll do that. Uh, well, yeah, again, uh, we're able to start with a clean sheet of paper and utilize the best that's available out there, all the best available technology, the state of the art. Uh, technology and it's it's a growing field and we're we're monitoring it and <clears throat> utilizing whatever we can and we're three years out still so we don't want to commit to things as they're changing uh, so fast but um, we are going to be capturing all the digital technology we can because that's a way of leveraging you know our process and our environmental technology and first of all you know it's it's a way of ensuring that we comply with environmental and safety standards uh, as well as all of our KPIs for operation and um, you know maintenance. So there's a, a lot of tools that are out there that are going to be included in our ERP platform and all of the analytical tools that go on top of that. Um, so Lance had mentioned we also are going to be utilizing what we call Rocket, <clears throat> Remote Operations Center for uh, Engineering and Technologies, which will be um, on top of our main control room, it'll be kind of our control center for advanced technologies. We'll, it will also be uh, mirrored here in Houston so that we'll be able to monitor and optimize all of our plants remotely. So that, that way, you know, our plants are fairly remote locations and so uh, we'll have some dedicated, you know, as many people as we need to operate and maintain the plant locally. But a lot of our higher level analytical um, uh, activities will be done remotely in Houston so we can standardize and, and uh, localize it. So that'll be a big advantage of us for us with the rocket program. Well, excellent. I, that's pretty much all I got. I was wondering if you, if you gentlemen had any, any closing statements, anything, anything else to add? I don't. I think I could. Sorry, I, I anticipated that we would, but I, I thought the the conversation was very thorough. Um, you know, and, and Mark hit uh, Mark hit the nail on the head uh, with the uh, the impact that Davis has on as far as what can be expected on greenhouse gas reductions. Um, we also talked about uh, Meridian's rocket program. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, and uh, every time you open the catalog of, or you know, do an inventory on what's available in the market for digital technologies, it's a broader, it's a broader catalog. Uh, the the innovation is constant, and we're happy to be part of it. It's also a compliment to the industry for 
constantly trying to evolve and better itself. So we're on the clean sheet page of that, and we get to capture that advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's Meridian's taking advantage of taking the uh, the innovations that are out there in the market and put them into one, putting them into one facility, uh, and that's a compliment to the entire en- energy industry. Downstream, upstream, midstream, uh, raw mineral mining, everyone has made such great advancements and, stri- and constantly striven to do better uh, that it results in our ability to congregate those advantages into the Davis refinery. So it's really a compliment for, for all of the industry. I, I think the downstream industry probably doesn't get enough credit for innovation and, um, and keeping up with uh, the times. Um, in a sense, uh, they've been handcuffed, you know, because most of the investment has been upstream and midstream in this in this country, and downstream has been, you know, kind of treading water and doing what's necessary to keep up with environmental and safety regulations. Uh, now, you know, we're taking a fresh look at things, and we hope that maybe this can usher in a new era of really looking at downstream for what it can be, you know, to be more efficient and to be completely uh, compliant in, in every way, environmentally and, and safety. In fact, we, we look at being future compliant. We, we think that we can in, in, install the platform to be uh, adaptable and flexible going into the future. So, you know, with digital technology, we're sort of, we're building a framework that will be adaptable going on into the future for whatever regulations and whatever technology arises. Excellent. Well, Lance, Mark, I really want to appreciate y'all's time this morning. Thank uh, you, Lee. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, we really want to thank y'all for joining Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast, the main column. Uh, and remember, of course, if you're listening today, if you'd like to subscribe to the main column podcast you can do that by clicking on the subscribe button or I just learned this you can actually subscribe through your phone by saying either hey Google Alexa or Siri subscribe me to the main column podcast so with that thank you for listening